This program is made possible by the members and donors to the show. For details, visit the Contribute tab at bestoftheleft.com. Now, welcome to the award-winning Best of the Left podcast with clips today from All In with Chris Hayes, Gay USA, The Majority Report, Throwing Shade, This Week in Blackness, The Young Turks, and Dan Savage. And we start today by going back in time 10 months to just after the Hobby Lobby Supreme Court decision to get the context for the rest of what's to come. Today's extremely polarizing, controversial Supreme Court decision is built upon a piece of legislation that at its time was so uncontroversial, it passed almost unanimously out of the U.S. Senate. What this law basically says is that the government should be held to a very high level of proof before it interferes with someone's free exercise of religion. This judgment is shared by the people of the United States as well as by the Congress. We believe strongly that we can never, we can never be too vigilant in this work. Today's Supreme Court decision was not about the First Amendment. It was about a law, the Religious Freedom Restoration Act of 1993. We all have a shared desire here to protect perhaps the most precious of all American liberties, religious freedom. RIFRA passed Congress with broad bipartisan support and was signed by President Clinton as a direct response to Supreme Court case argued years earlier. The Supreme Court takes up the extent to which the law can interfere in religious activities. At issue, Native American tribal ritual, which involves the use of hallucinogenic drugs. The case was Employment Division v. Smith. It centered around drugs taken during religious rituals by two Native Americans. The hallucinogenic drug peyote comes from a cactus plant and has been used in religious ceremonies since the days of the Aztecs. Its use by Native American Indians has been exempted from the narcotics laws by the U.S. government and 15 states. But in Oregon, where peyote is still unlawful, Alfred Smith and Galen Black were fired from their jobs as drug and alcohol counselors and then denied unemployment benefits. We have a right. The Constitution says we have a, have a right to our religion and our belief. The case was argued during the peak of the drug war. The state says there are limits to religious freedom. It says if drug use is allowed, why not polygamy or ritual sacrifice? At a time of increased concern about drugs, the high court may be reluctant to permit drug use under any circumstances. In April of 1990, the court ruled that Smith and Black could be prosecuted for the use of drugs in religious rituals and found that such prosecutions did not violate the First Amendment right to religious freedom. The opinion's author, Justice Antonin Scalia. I suppose you could say a law against human sacrifice would, uh, you know, would affect only the Aztecs. But, but I, I don't, I don't know that that that, that you have to make uh, you you have to make exceptions. The decision was seen by some as an attack on religious freedom. Enter Democratic Senator Ted Kennedy and Republican Senator Orrin Hatch. The two co-sponsored the Religious Freedom Restoration Act, which slams the Supreme Court for its insufficient deference to religious exercise, saying government should not substantially burden religious exercise without compelling justification. The law created a stronger protection than even what the First Amendment provides. Over the next couple of years, it would be used by a number of different religious groups. For example, Amish groups had used the law to fight requirements that they put orange safety triangles on their buggies, symbols they found offensive. More mainstream churches used the law to fight zoning rules that stopped them from distributing food. And while part of the law was overturned in 1997, 
it has largely been considered uncontroversial. That is until today, when RIFRA was cited over a hundred times by Justice Samuel Alito in a decision that allows closely held corporations to refuse to pay for insurance coverage for contraception based on that corporation's religious beliefs. But that's a far cry from what those members of Congress voted for back in 1993. go back a little because a lot of the defense of this from Governor Pence of Indiana and the right wingers and everybody else has been uh, well, I don't know what you're talking about this is exactly the same law that Bill Clinton signed in 1993 and that Barack Obama uh, supported in Illinois when he was a state senator there and there are 20 other states that have the same law what is your problem why are you upset uh, we've been doing this for years and you were going to explain what that is but yes. what what's troubled me is that the media has repeated that as if well this has just been around in 20 states so I don't know why aren't the gays going after them why aren't they going after Obama and Clinton and all that stuff but they're extremely different uh, yes and I see little pieces here and there bits and pieces of explanation but uh, it is our job as gay USA to be a little more coherent and organized well, about this, go, so. to the, go to the lambda legal website because they've been writing great articles explaining what the differences and why the Indiana law was the worst that's ever been passed in this regard mainly because it's not about uh, stopping the government from infringing on your religious liberty it's about anybody uh, in any private uh, business or anything like that uh, discriminating any individual so uh, I want to go into the Wayback Machine for a minute to 1993 and the law that was passed on the federal level, the Religious Freedom Restoration Act, uh, which, by the way, uh, you know, has been used badly, uh, but was started with good purposes. And it specifically had to do with a Native American man who had been fired from his job and, and prevented from collecting unemployment benefits because he was found to be using peyote in in a religious ceremony in his Native American practice of his religion. And the Congress, uh, the government looked at this and said, well, you know, you can't stop this guy from doing that as part of his religious practice. That's discrimination. They didn't, we, even, they didn't even stop uh, Catholics from using wine in you know, communion ceremonies during Prohibition. There's a good uh, analogy. Uh, Catholics can use wine, but Native Americans couldn't use peyote. So the government passed the Religious Freedom Restoration Act, and it was meant to protect people like this guy or like uh, uh, minority religious people who wanted to grow a beer. That was part of their religious practice, but they had jobs that supposedly forbade it. Or uh, Sikhs who wanted to wear turbans in jobs that were not wanting to let them do that. It was all about protecting the rights of minority religious people against intrusion by the government. I'm and, for that. And it included uh, a clause that said, unless the government can uh, 
prove a compelling interest in outlawing this kind of behavior. Right, because in combat you might have to wear certain things or cut cut certain things in a way that you know would, would go along with military discipline or sure. or uh, but safety. It, the government had the opportunity to prove that, but the whole impetus for the law was to protect the rights of individuals who were practicing their own religious practices, not hurting anyone else, not discriminating against anyone else. It was all about their own individual religious practices that were allowed to take place if they didn't interfere yeah. with uh, uh, other people or other uh, more important uh, government actions. So that was passed. That's the Clinton law they're talking about. And that's what passed in most of the 20 states. Yes, and that had nothing to do with uh, discrimination or going after people. Which is why that Governor Mike Pence is such a liar. Because well, he keeps repeating that it's just like these other things. Yes, So that and that is why the Democratic uh, minority leader in the Indiana Senate went on TV and called him a liar. We've been talking about the past couple of days, past uh, week, really, this anti-gay bill that's passed in Indiana. It's been gripping the country, and actually I just saw today, just this morning, Governor Mike Pence has uh, held a press conference where basically he wants uh, an amendment to this bill to go through the Indiana State Legislature, specifically specifying that this is not a discrimination bill, which is sort of like Coke specifically specifying that they don't sell soft drinks. Of course this is a discrimination bill. That's the entire point of it. That's why it was written. If you know anything about the people who authored it and why it was signed, it was specifically put into law to allow vendors, florists, bakers, other people like that to discriminate against gay couples. That's the point of the bill. And it just so happens that now we've reached a tipping point in this country while still there is a obviously a lot of work to do for marriage equality and for gay rights in order considering the fact that something like this could even pass. But we have reached a point in this country where not only is being homophobic and supporting homophobic policies kind of socially Uncouth. It's actually terrible economics. I mean, Indiana is facing a serious fallout from corporate America because of this anti-gay bill. We have Charles Barkley saying that uh, NCAA Final Four games shouldn't be held in Indiana because of this. We've seen co companies ranging from Salesforce.com to Coca-Cola halting business and uh, reversing plans to do further business in the state. So it's a big deal. So Mike Pence in preparation for this morning's incoherent press conference has been making the rounds in every news channel he can get on to try to justify this homophobic bill and explain that it isn't homophobic. And, of course, that the people of Indiana, Hoosiers, are really, really, really nice people, which would be interesting. I wish I'd like to see ISIS adopt this strategy. It's like, no, we're really nice. We're nice people. We're nice people that throw gay people off of buildings. Um, but let's listen to him. He was talking to George Stephanopoulos 
on ABC over the weekend, and George Stephanopoulos was trying to hold Mike Pence, Mike Pence's feet to the fire about this bill, and just watch the just gyrating incoherence of Indiana's governor. Let's take a listen. The, the issue here, the, the Religious Freedom Restoration Act has been on the books for more than 20 years. It does not apply, George, to disputes between individuals unless government action is involved. And in point of fact, in more than two decades, the Religious Freedom Restoration Act has never been used to undermine anti-discrimination laws in this country. It's just important to note that the reason that that hasn't been used to undermine uh, anti-discrimination laws is because there aren't anti-discrimination laws on the books concerning gay and transgender people. So that's totally disingenuous and a complete misnomer and important to note. Keep playing the clip. That was one of your supporters who was talking about the bill right there. It said it would protect a Christian florist who, uh, against any kind of punishment. Is that true or not? George, look, the, the issue here is, you know, is tolerance a two-way street or not? I mean, you know, there's a lot of talk about tolerance in this country today having to do with people on the left. Uh, and uh, But here Indiana steps forward to protect uh, the constitutional rights and privileges of freedom of religion uh, for people of faith and families of faith uh, in our state. And this avalanche of intolerance that's been poured on our state is just outrageous. You've been to Indiana a bunch of times. You know it. There are no kinder, more generous, more welcoming, more hospitable people in America than in the 92 counties of Indiana. And yet because we simply stepped forward for the purpose of recognizing the religious liberty rights of all the people of Indiana, of every faith, we, we suffered under this avalanche for the last several days of condemnation, and it's completely baseless. It's not based on any fact whatsoever. I completely agree with you about the good people. And I think people are getting tired of it, George. Uh, I really do. Tolerance is a two-way... I'm not totally sold uh, on, like, Stephanopoulos, on the whole good people of Indiana thing. Uh, I'm sure there's a lot of good people in Indiana. I don't know what this passing this bill says about them, but that's another conversation. All right, keep playing it. Tolerance is a two-way street. So when you say tolerance is a two-way street, does that mean that Christians who want to refuse service or people of any other faith who want to refuse service to gays and lesbians, that it's now legal in the state of Indiana? That's a simple yes or no question. George, the the question here is if if there is a government action or a law that an individual believes impinges on their religious liberty, they have the opportunity to go to court, just as the Religious Freedom Restoration Act that Bill Clinton signed allowed them, go to court, and the court would evaluate the circumstance under the standards articulated in this act. That's all it is. And when you see these headlines about, about Indiana, the license to discriminate in Indiana, and, and it, it just, I'm telling you, George, uh, it is a red herring, and I think it, it's deeply troubling. Okay, so first of all, no. Tolerance isn't a two-way street. If you're discriminating against somebody, that's not your right to independently flourish in your own opinion, man. Wow, you're not being very tolerant, my Yeah, excuse me. That's totally intolerant of me. Number two, yes, Bill Clinton signed homophobic legislation in the mid-90s. That's a complete non-sequitur. He was wrong to do it then, and it's wrong to justify homophobic legislation based off of it now. And number three, it's just amazing. In 2004, George W. Bush, an integral part of getting reelected, was running against marriage inequality. And now as the country changes and things get better, certainly in this regard, 
to watch just the utter incoherence of these arguments collapse in this just kind of embarrassing display of incoherence and ignorance is somewhat satisfying, but we still got to work to reverse this law. No girl can down this show And I'll stand on your shoulders to watch us grow older I can see us fall along the road here at Best of the Left, we know that it's not enough just to stay informed. You need to get active if you actually want to change the world for the better. That's why we promote great activism opportunities every chance we get. Also, I can only reach so many people on my own, but with your help, we can extend that reach. The episode show notes are most likely available on the device you're using to listen right now, and if they're not, you can see them on the website. Simply click the title of any segment you want to share and then easily post it to your social networks or send it directly to friends. You joining these actions and helping amplify the show to get even more people involved is critical to our mission to change the world for the better. Get started right now in the show notes on the device you're using or visit the website from any device at bestoftheleft.com. Rick Santorum. Uh, recently was on, uh, he was, this past Sunday, he was on Face the Nation on CBS and was talking about Indiana and Refra and all that jazz. <laughs> Hi. So here's what he said about it. He goes, you know, tolerance is a two way street, which is like classic line of every conservative who is allegedly seeing the other side. That sort of thing of like, why can't you be open minded? Like, that's what they're saying to gay people, basically. Like, why can't you be open-minded? Why, 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 why are you persecuting us? It's just that awful, fucked-up logic that is essentially just a shitty think piece. Do you know about this Gandhi quote that's something, something like, and I'm paraphrasing, fear, sorry, anger is just fear. Yes. I've, I've heard that before. Anger is just misplaced fear. It's or just, yeah. yeah. So yeah, yeah, it's yeah. just they, these people don't want to change. They're afraid of change. And Absolutely. so they're angry about it and they're defensive. So he says tolerance is a two way street. If you're a print shop and you are a gay man, should you be forced to print God hates fags for the Westboro Baptist Church because they hold those signs up? And this is really the case here. Should the government. Those, ha- those are all handwritten. <laughs> None of them are handwritten, actually. They, are they all, aren't. They're, they're all, all printed? printed. Yeah. And this is really the case here. Should the government force you to do that? And that's what these cases are all about. This is about the government coming in and saying, no, we're going to make you do this. And this is where I think we just need some space to say, let's have some tolerance to be a two-way street. Here is the thing with why he's wrong, very wrong. It, it, the, this, is, this is what discrimination is uh, legally, and this is what you cannot do. When you're a business owner, you have the right to say or to, to refute, to say what you're going to make or what you're not going to make, you cannot decide who you're going to make it for. In other words, like if someone has, a, you know, brings in a cake that says like, fuck gay people, you can say, I don't, I'm not printing that. I'm not printing hate speech on something. You can't say I'm not serving you because you're gay. Yes. You can't do that to a person. Does, do you know yes. what I mean? That's why I was like, because it is confusing. I can't stop thinking about who prints the Westboro Baptist Church's signs I now. I know. Kinkos? Yeah. So you can't be forced to print an offensive sign. You can be forced to print a regular sign for a gay person or, yeah, or like someone, the KKK. Yes, or a black. You know what I mean? Like, yes, you you can be forced to do that because you can't decide yourself who your customers will be. Right. But you can decide what 
you know, you're the going services. to be printing or what what kind of... Well, okay. Like, if, if someone says, like, you, no one could go into a bakery and be like, you have to make a marble strawberry chocolate, that, 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 you know what I mean? No one could do that. Yeah, because... That, but that would be delicious. Straw, strawberry, strawberry and marbles. chocolate. Well, I meant actual marbles. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. So you can't put marbles in a cake. But I like that because then you eat less cake. Yeah. And then you just poop out the marbles and then you have a fun game. Hey, I have a question. Would that logic apply to, bear with me here, I'm using, uh, I'm just trying to do something hypothetical. If you were a cake maker and someone came in and said, we want a lesbian wedding cake. We want two women on top. If I, yes, that means they can be like, I'm not comfortable putting two women on top, but I will make this cake for you. I, yeah, well, I guess if they didn't have, I don't know, I don't know, I don't. I guess maybe if they didn't have the um, two women, I bet that is a scenario that will never come up. But if it did, th- I bet it would just be because they didn't have the two women. Yeah, but you can break them apart with your teeth, you know. Uh, well, that's a you great point to bring up, up when you go in a bakery. Yeah, or you can have a squirrel. Nod. I say that regardless. I just go in bakeries and they say, you know, I can break these open with my teeth. W- one cupcake, please. You have the strongest teeth for I have any. Very any dessert. Yes. My dentist wears a full... I say you only need to wear the gloves, but he wears a full knight's armor. Oh, he does? Yeah. What a, what a loud it's, teeth clanging. It's very loud and it's extremely painful. Painful. Um, yeah. So so basically, you can say, like, we're not going to make cakes for anyone's wedding, but you can't say, we're not going to make a cake for your wedding. Right. That makes sense. Yes. You can't discriminate against a person. You can be... You can... Not do the service they want you to do. It, well, because because it's just something against something right? physical or like a hate speech. Yeah, right, like right, you, right. you can't you can't you can't discriminate against somebody is basically what it all boils down to. So there's been, like, a lot of conversations around what's been happening with Indiana as of late on social media. And I'm really still confused, Imani, as to why people think it's a really good idea uh, to do, do these big organized uh, boycotts. Even though, at the same time, I'm actually pro the NCAA doing that. Well, I'm pro, uh, uh, what you call it, um... Uh, NASCAR doing what they're That's doing because they are big companies that have sup- that have a big platform to send a message right. about these sorts of issues. The problem with these jack wagons on Twitter talking about boycott Indiana is a they've probably never been to Indiana, into Indiana, never going to go to Indiana. Someone the, actually tweeted out that uh, like I've been boycotting Indiana anyway. So it's like, well then what? Right, and, and, and those kinds of comments, like, whatever, I've been booking, so fine, that's great. B, they're, they're probably not doing anything else to help people in Indiana or to help people really anywhere. Like, I, I've found that a lot of these people are just, they find it funny to just pop off on Twitter, boycott Indiana, when they're really not, like, why boycott Indiana when there are people in Indiana, queer people in Indiana, who actually need support and help? There are trans people in Indiana who need actual support and help. So instead of just popping off about boycotting Indiana, why not see what you can do to support activists on the ground who are trying to change shit in Indiana? Katie from um from um, Best of the Left got into like Katie! 
big, a big a big thing on uh, Twitter last night around this, and it was it was really weird because I saw people coming at her, and so like I jumped in when like I so normally like when I see little things like just like whatever, but like I saw people being really froggy with Katie for no reason, and it weren't making sense, and there were people that were yelling at her that had no clue what they were talking about. They took one tweet she said and was like, well that they, she had made a tweet that um, people getting froggy about um what's happening in Indiana, and it's like, well your state's not doing so much better anyway, and someone decided that was a tweet they need to uh, to uh, fixate on as opposed to the idea of what was she making what was the bigger argument the bigger argument being that help people on the ground well it's about it's the reason why things like this occur is because people treat Indiana and other spaces like this like flyover country and, right. and so it's not important you don't have to give funds to that you don't have to support those spaces and you don't most, need to go there and the most offensive thing oh well fuck you you Hoosiers you did this to yourself you you know your vote counts you fucked it up so it's your fault meanwhile that's not really how elections work. It's never worked like, that you way. You can't blame all of the people who live in Indiana for what is going on, especially when there are progressives in Indiana who are actually trying to change stuff. And it certainly doesn't help for you to start screaming about, well, I don't know why you live there anyway. Why don't you just move? Never helps. <laughs> never helps. Um, and, and and it's also ridiculous because like, that's also implying that, like, yeah, because it's so easy to just move. So easy. Yeah, it's ridiculous. So I've been seeing a lot of that, uh, a lot of that conversation happening, and I really don't think it's reasonable in any shape, form, or fashion. Uh, but it's not stopping, and I'm hoping that people will finally get it through their heads that there is a way to support spaces like this. And, you, and boycott is a very specific thing, and it should be used in certain situations. Like, people were pointing out that there have been examples of boycotts I asked, I said, give me a recent example of a boycott working. And people like, couldn't really do it. Like, like they, and they, when they did, they were like, oh, well, this happened. It was always like a corporation, not a city or a state where people are boycotting. Um, one person brought up, like, the MLK boycott of Arizona. And I was like, that's cool, but what about SBT, SB 1070? Because that, that boycott didn't work. You know what worked, though? You know why? You know why SB 1070 is actually uh, being fought on the ground there? It's because organizations on the fucking ground yeah. have been doing amazing work. When I went down to Arizona and we were, we were uh, talking, we were talking to organizations based in Arizona that have been fighting. They actually got an injunction against Arpeo to stop the raids that were happening because he was just fucking raiding places. And then he actually did some of it illegally. And that's why recently uh, Arpeo was actually trying to apologize for basically admitting he did something illegal, but uh, but trying to get it to close down because the more information that gets comes out, the more it looks bad on him. But it's it's the organizations on the ground, and you if you want to help, as opposed to like, I'm just not going there at all. Money talks, you know, what? money does really talk, and your money would do really well if you actually supported organizations that are trying to do work down there, right. trying to fix these problems. Same thing. I said the same thing with Ferguson and, and St. Louis. I, I'm not a big fan of the idea of, of boycotting that. I'm like, uh, why don't we go there and help? Why don't we put money in there? Why don't we support organizations down there? That's what makes sense around these things. So people have been doing that, and I just I just wanted to give an update on that and tell people quit it. Let let people if you want to help and you think it's a problem, support. Actually, fucking support. Yeah, or or talk to the people who are from there and see what they're saying. You know, because if your first instinct is to be like "fuck Indiana, boycott Indiana," hey, why don't you go look at Katie Speaks? Katie unders- and underscore speak. K A T I E underscore speak. Go to Shakes tweets. Melissa McEwen. Shakes tweets. S H A K E S T W E E T Z. These two women have been going hard in the paint. See that NCAA reference? Got it, huh? That's not an NCAA reference. It is. It's a basketball reference. It is a basketball reference. It's not NCAA. Well, currently, reference. what is going on with the NCAA? March Madness. Motherfucker. Is March Madness still happening, Aaron? 
Uh, yeah, no, the national championship is next week on Monday. It's all pretty much the madness portion is over. This doesn't even make sense because it's April. The fuck? I know March Madness starts late this year. But the point is, if you if you want to know what you can do to support people in a particular state, it behooves you to go and listen to what people from those states are saying. The same thing when that's just, that that applies to any issue. If there's an issue involving trans people and you want to know what you can do to help, hey, maybe go find a trans person online on Twitter, wherever or in person if you know one, and say, hey, how can I help? What can I do? If you got a problem, don't care what it is. You need a hand, I can assure you this. I can help. I got two strong arms. I can help. It would sure do me good to do you good. Let me help. It's a fact that people get lonely. Ain't nothing new. But a woman like you, baby, she never has the blues. Let me help. I got two for me. Let me help. It would sure do me So Sean Hannity uh, and Dinesh Souza are very upset about the liberal reaction uh, to the Indiana law. So, gay people, you want to treat them the same as straight people? Outrageous, outrageous. Um, they're going to make some interesting points. I just want to note that Dinesh Souza is a convicted felon, and he's out on parole right now, uh, and so he's able to go to Fox News uh, because, uh, you know, he's, I'm sorry, on probation. Let's be fair, let's be fair. The felon uh, is serving five years of probation, so on that, he was able to appear on the Sean Hannity program and not be in prison, as, as most people violating the law would be. Anyway, let's hear from the felon. We talk about toleration a lot, and in fact, the whole gay rights movement for decades has been appealing to toleration. In other words, you may not agree with us, but hold your nose and go along with it. But toleration, Sean, is a two-way street. If we're going to extend social tolerance to homosexuality, to transsexuality, how about a little toleration for Christians who are just trying to live by their code of beliefs? Okay, for the billionth time, that makes no sense. You can't say, uh, I demand tolerance for my intolerance. You, you can't go around and say, I'm intolerant of dorky South Asian conservatives with uh, awkward glasses who violated campaign finance laws. I don't believe that they should be allowed in any hotel or restaurant or any public accommodation, although that would have been largely true if he'd actually gone to prison. Anyway, you can't just single that person out or a group of people out and go, I don't like them. I don't think they should have the same rights as me. And then when I go, no, you can't do that. Oh, you're so intolerant. You're so intolerant of my hatred of South Asian conservatives with dorky glasses who should be in prison. You're so intolerant. No, no, no. You, you're the one passing the law saying they get different rights, not the same rights, not equal rights. You're the intolerant one. What an incredible jackass opinion. It's like saying, and it's not like they didn't say it. They did say it in the middle of the civil rights movement when the holdout racists uh, in the South would turn around and go, it's my belief that black people, and they wouldn't call them that, and white people shouldn't mix. You're so intolerant of my opinion. Why are these northern agitators so intolerant of our culture and opinion down here in the South? We've seen this movie before. Okay, so now we're going to get the fun absurdity when they take it to the next level. Gay and lesbians, they might disagree with me on gay marriage, or they might disagree with somebody, a religious person, and as it relates to their Christian views, but it, why are they so silent on the bigger issues of the day? 
which would be taking on radical Islamists. That would include women's groups and the treatment of women. That would be gay and lesbian groups on the slaughter of gays and lesbians uh, in these other countries. Virtual silence from these groups that are so outraged and indignant over a law that Bill Clinton supported in 93 and Barack Obama supported. I think what's going on, I mean, not only do you see the left not talking about the treatment of gays and, homos, uh, gays and lesbians abroad, but even at home, you'll rarely find homosexuals, for example, trying to force a Muslim baker uh, in, uh, to, to bake a cake for a gay wedding. In other words, they, this is a selective yeah, attack I, on Christianity, I, I not, on, their not on religion I in can't. general. Wait, where are all these Muslim bakers that you speak of? <laughs> what the hell are you talking about? First of all, the law, of course, would apply in that case as well. In Indiana, a Muslim baker could also tell gay couples not to, that he's not going to do their cake or whatever he's going to do uh, for their gay wedding. And you know what? We would be outraged at that. We are outraged by that. Nobody ever said, hey, you know what? We're only outraged by the Christians in Indiana. This would allow Christians, Muslims, Jews, Hindus, everybody else to discriminate against gays and others based on their strong religious feelings. We're against the whole law. We're not, nobody has ever said, leave the Muslim bakers alone. <laughs> nobody ever said, let the Muslims discriminate, let the Hindus discriminate. Just don't let the Christians discriminate. Nobody said that. So uh, you're totally and utterly lying. But the more important point is, there's not an epidemic of Muslim bakers or florists all throughout the country denying people services. That doesn't exist. Now, if we lived in Kandahar, well, then I'd be with you. I'd be fighting against the Muslim powers that be that discriminate against gays, women, etc. But we don't live in Kandahar. We're talking about Indiana because Indiana is in the United States of America. That we, There's something we can do about that. Whereas I'm outraged that they don't let women drive in Saudi Arabia. I talk about it on the show, but I, I got this Saudi government is not really listening to me. Whereas when we're all collectively outraged about what our government does, you see, we can influence that because we live in a democracy. Oh, I see. Why aren't they outraged about the Muslim candlestick makers in the middle of Somalia? They don't live in Somalia. That's why. Okay, more from this ass. I don't hear these same groups. I don't hear women's groups. They're angry about Sandra Flock and who's going to pay for her birth control or Mitt Romney having... Uh, binders of women with women's resumes of people they want to hire, but I don't hear their outrage as a group speaking out against Sharia law and women not being able to vote or drive in Saudi Arabia or not being able to leave their own homes without a, a male relative. Far bigger issues from my perspective. Why the silence on those issues? The, uh, the, the reason for the silence on those issues is that is that those are cases where the United States, if they were to, if they were to mount a strong attack on radical Islam and its treatment of gays and lesbians, that would strengthen American foreign policy. That would make the case exactly. for more U.S. involvement or intervention. No, it wouldn't. No, it wouldn't. I speak out against Saudi Arabia all the time on those issues. I speak out against all those different Muslim governments when they oppress women, gays, etc., and Christian governments in Africa as well, right? But that doesn't mean I want to bomb them. I think bombing Saudi Arabia would be a terrible idea, even though I have enormous problems with their government. I think they're one of the biggest problems on the face of the earth. Okay, The government in Uganda uh, that is Christian, uh, that is discriminating against gays, I totally disagree with. I don't think we should bomb Uganda. I mean, what are you talking about? See, because for conservatives, if you condemn something, 
The answer must be to obliterate it, to bomb it, to kill it, to murder it. That's not always the answer. And by the way, you're also wrong about the, the very core of what you're saying. In, in America, we did once have a tiny problem, I believe it was in the state of Minnesota, where some people uh, were working at, at a cash register at a grocery store. They were Muslim, and they said, we don't want to check bacon uh, when uh, when we've got clients who are buying ham, pork products, etc., because we don't want to handle the pork products because of our religion. And what we said on this show is, they should be fired. Because it's not your choice. Then go work somewhere else, Okay. The guy wants to buy bacon, that's his uh, business, not your business. And if you say, oh, I'm not going to sell him this stuff, but that's your job. Your job is to sell him stuff when he comes. It's not your job to judge him based on your religion. So actually, this show has been perfectly consistent on every single thing that they just mentioned there. They're so full of crap, they set up straw men, and then they fight against it. And then their ultimate conclusion every time is, no matter what the issue, we started with <laughs> baking cakes for uh, gay couples in Indiana, and we wound up with, why shouldn't we bomb Muslims more? Fox News, again, as always, in a nutshell. Watch those fools run, watch those fools run, they take apart their racket as an anti-consumerism advocate, I'd like to encourage you to shop less, don't buy things you don't need, and only buy the necessities from local, independently owned businesses. That said, if you don't take this good advice, then at least there's a way to shop that helps support this show at the same time. Simply click through to Amazon.com, Amazon.ca, or Amazon.co.uk from the banner at bestofleft.com to shop at just one of the major companies with the insatiable profit incentive to help perpetuate the destructive paradigm of overconsumption and exploitative capital. Better yet, go ahead and click through to the Amazon site that serves your country just once and then bookmark it to use every time you shop, which should be as rarely as possible. Your shopping experience will be identical to normal. It will cost you nothing extra, but 7 to 8% of the cost of your order in soulless corporate blood money will be siphoned off and used to tremendously support the production of this show. Thanks for doing the right thing, whether that be rejecting consumerism altogether or at least consuming in a subversive way. Last week, we uh, we were right in the heat of it. Uh, the attacks were coming against the Religious Freedom Restoration Acts, and we knew that the governors of both Indiana and Arkansas were going to try to amend the bills in some way. And that's what happened after we taped last week's show. But the uh, the fix is not so wonderful. Well, it was pretty epic, the conflict. Um, as far as the fixes, they kind of set things back to before any of this began in terms of what these bills do. They now actually do mirror the federal law that uh, was passed in 1993, I believe, yes. under Clinton. Bill Clinton. Um, so, they, so they don't really give them any extra ammunition as these bills were originally intended to do because these next generation bills were specifically designed to give businesses clauses that they could use so that they could deny services to LGBT folks and get away with it. Those clauses have, are now gone, largely. Uh, um, yes so and that's no. the half glass, the <laughs> glass half full. All right. Uh, and in fact, that's exactly what they did in Arkansas. Governor Hutchinson quoting his son signing a petition against the bill uh, rather than admitting that Walmart's opposition to the bill may have driven his uh, move. 
uh, told the legislature they had to change it, and they went back and rewrote it as exactly like the federal bill of 1993, which was written to protect individual religious rights to, say, uh, grow a beard in a situation where others are not allowed to, or use peyote if you're an American Indian doing yes. a ritual, yes. that kind of stuff, yes. which we as lesbian, gay, transgender people don't have a problem with. Uh, absolutely not. We support that. It is the the new use of these bills that we don't like. But at the same time, Arkansas, we know, has passed a bill recently that says no locality, no town, no city can have a non-discrimination law that goes farther than the state law, which of course does not include sexual orientation or gender identity, and they're sticking to that, and people now want them to pass a statewide uh, SONDA agenda, Sexual Orientation, Gender Identity and Expression Non-Discrimination Act, but they're not in any hurry to do that. But there is a movement to do it. In Indiana, uh, the governor said, all right, uh, you know, we never intended to discriminate. That was never our intent. Lies, lies, lies. So the legislature got back together, and here's what happened. First of all, they got a committee of the legislature together to rewrite the bill, and the Republicans, in a majority on the committee, because they have a majority in the legislature, kicked the Democrats out of the room. Mm kicked them out of the room because the Democrats were saying what you're about to do is not good enough. We need a statewide non-discrimination bill here. We need to repeal this bad religious freedom bill. And the Republicans said, leave the room. You're not even allowed to be here to discuss this. They threw out the Democrats and then they passed their so-called fix. Now their fix is just language that says the Religious Freedom Restoration Act in Indiana is not a defense for discrimination for sexual orientation or gender uh, identity. So what they did was merely make a statement in the bill that says you cannot use this bill as a defense uh, if you are charged with discrimination on the basis of religious freedom or, or gender identity. But what it doesn't say is that there is no statewide non-discrimination bill in Indiana. Some cities and towns, Indianapolis most prominently, have non-discrimination acts. But it turns out that not all the non-discrimination laws in Indiana are equal. For instance, there are a couple of towns where, uh, I'm going to have to find this, uh, where the, the laws only work, you can only uh, bring a complaint of discrimination if both sides agree to an investigation. Mm. That's the discriminator as well as the discriminatee. Right. So all the discriminator has to say is, uh, no, I don't want that investigated. And that's the end of it.
You've reached the activism portion of today's show. Now that you're informed and angry, here's what you can do about it. Today's activism, the federal LGBTQ Bill of Rights. Now, Indiana drew all of the heat for the state's extra discriminatory Religious Freedom Restoration Act, but the Hoosier State is hardly the only place where firing, evicting, and even refusing to serve LGBTQ people is legal. Despite the wave of court-mandated marriage equality wins and the cultural tide turning on the right to marry, only a federal affirmative right to be treated as a fully equal human being can protect all facets of life and liberty for LGBTQ people in all parts of the country. Rather than pushing for a patchwork of single-issue bills that would need to work their way through the legislature one at a time, Senator Jeff Merkley of Oregon and Representative David Cicilline of Rhode Island are spearheading an all-encompassing fix. According to Merkley's website, he and Cicilline will be, quote, leading the legislative fight for a comprehensive non-discrimination bill this spring. The legislation would be similar to the 1964 Civil Rights Act, which outlawed discrimination on the basis of race, color, religion, sex, or national origin, unquote. The LGBTQ rights group Get Equal is in the midst of the campaign to both support this legislative effort and demand that it be comprehensive and uncompromising. At their website, noasterists.org, you can sign on to back the full LGBTQ Bill of Rights, which is described as, quote, a guiding document created with the input of thousands of LGBTQ folks across the country that lays out what the community really needs, unquote. From preamble to conclusion, the Get Equal document details the fears and dangers experienced daily by LGBTQ people that should be addressed and alleviated by true protections at work, at home, at the doctor, at school, and in the eyes of law and law enforcement. Visit noasterisk.org and support Get Equal's call to action, which reads, quote, as we approach the 225th anniversary of the U.S. Constitution and the 224th anniversary of the Bill of Rights, the document that outlined the specific rights extended to some Americans, we demand that this country live up to the values espoused in the nation's founding documents, unquote. The segment notes include all of the links to this information as well as additional resources, and as always, this and every activism segment we produce is archived and organized under the Activism tab at bestoftheleft.com. If true equality for LGBTQ people matters to you, be sure to hit the share buttons to spread the word about Get Equals campaign via social media so that others in your network can add their support. Can you stand up and be counted as a body in a crowd? Put your name on a petition with your signature so proud. Can you raise your voice so loud as you stand with head on bowed, weather beating on your brow, demanding answers here and now? Cause that's how you make a difference in this fickle world of change. Are you gay? That's one of those questions, and there aren't many out there like it, but it's one of those questions that a refusal to answer that direct question is to effectively answer that direct question. Because if you ask somebody if they're gay and they refuse to answer the question, well, no straight person has ever refused to answer that question ever. Straight people wouldn't hesitate to answer that question. It would occur to them not to answer the question, I'm straight, no, I'm not gay. So when you ask somebody, are you gay, and they say, oh, I'm not going to answer that question, or that's a rude question, or I... Don't believe in labels. They've also effectively answered the question in the affirmative. Yes, they're gay. Only a gay person, closeted gay person, or a gay person who doesn't want to be out to you, has ever answered, are you gay, with, I'm not going to answer that question. No straight person has ever answered it that way. So 
are you gay? Refusal to answer is to kind of double backflip, answer it. Bank shot answer. And the answer is yes. I was thinking about that are you gay question. Mike Pence was being interviewed by George Stephanopoulos on this week on ABC over the weekend about Indiana's new religious freedom bill that Mike Pence signed into law at a signing ceremony surrounded by monks and nuns and right-wing anti-gay religious psychotic bigots. People who've argued that gay people don't have a right to exist, much less a right to buy a fucking cupcake in a Walmart. And six times George Stephanopoulos asked Mike Pence if he thought it should be legal to discriminate against gays and lesbians in Indiana, if Indianans should have the right to discriminate against gays and lesbians. And six times Mike Pence refused to answer the question, which is like refusing to answer the are you gay question effectively to answer the fucking question. Yes, of course he believes that people in Indiana should have the right to discriminate against gays and lesbians. That's why he signed the fucking law legalizing anti-gay discrimination in the state of Indiana, anti-lesbian, anti-bi, all of it, sign the law because he believes that they should have that right. He just gave them that right. Gays and lesbians are not protected in Indiana under the state's existing anti-discrimination statutes. So it was already illegal to discriminate against gays and lesbians in Indiana. Now it's just extra legal to discriminate against gays and lesbians in Indiana. And the law, religious freedom, means that you can discriminate against basically anybody anywhere in Indiana so long as you can point to your sincerely held religious beliefs, which is a very soft and squishy target. How do you know someone's religious beliefs are sincerely held? Because they sincerely hold them, period, the end. It's very circular, the logic there. So in theory, people could refuse service to Jews, unmarried couples. They could refuse to rent hotel rooms to interracial couples. There are still religious Sincerely held religious beliefs, people out there of faith who believe that interracial relationships are sinful. We forget now, because this is America and we don't teach history, but we forget now that a lot of people who opposed interracial marriage, its legalization, grounded that opposition in their sincerely held religious beliefs. And now in Indiana, people who cling to that belief that interracial marriages are sinful are free to discriminate against people or in interracial relationships, not even gay ones, straight ones, free to discriminate. But the laws, but the law was specifically drafted to target LGBT people. That is why at the signing ceremony, Governor Mike Pence was surrounded by a clump of anti-gay bigots. I don't know what to call, like, you know, a murder of crows, a cha-cha of twinks. I don't know what you call a, a big group of anti-gay bigots, an FRC of anti-gay bigots, uh, morbidly obsessed with other people's sex lives and their genitals and what they're doing with them of anti-gay bigots, but there, there needs to be a term. Maybe you guys could call in a few, make a suggestion. What I love about this story, and it's blown up, it's exploded in Indiana's face. There have been other states that have toyed with these religious freedom bills, even other states that have passed them, but it's really blown up in Indiana's face, in the governor's face. We've reached this tipping point where what was okay maybe two years ago or ten years ago suddenly not so okay anymore Angie's List is no longer building a $40 million new facility and call center in Indiana. Props to Angie's List. Yelp is threatening not to expand in Indiana. The NCAA, which is hosting the Final Four in Indiana, which is some basketball game, I think, coming up in the next couple of weeks. Who knows? All the straight guys are talking about it. I don't care. Let's talk about Sondheim. Uh, they're making noises about not hosting future tournaments 
in Indiana. And this is just gathering steam. Apple, Apple, biggest market share, biggest market capitalization of any company on the planet. The head of Apple is screaming and yelling about the bill, has an op-ed in the Washington Post, and is threatening not to do business in Indiana. Indiana State Universities are saying that they're going to have a harder time recruiting qualified people for positions, for professorships, to teach. Because some people who teach are queer people, and some people who teach are straight people who like queer people and may not want to relocate to an anti-gay hate state, which Indiana became the moment Mike Pence signed the bill. If you haven't seen the interview, you should go watch the interview. This is... People are now saying that Pence should be a verb. To Pence something is to go into TV and just fucking eat shit. Just to go tits up. To Pence it. It reminds me of doing the full Ginsburg during the Monica Lewinsky, Bill Clinton scandal, which really should be the Bill Clinton scandal, not the Monica Lewinsky scandal. Lewinsky's lawyer, uh, William Ginsburg, did all the Sunday talk shows one day, all of them, which was this new thing that had never happened. No one had ever done all of them, run the table, and that became known as doing the full Ginsburg, to do all the Sunday shows. That's what we got out of the Bill Clinton blowjob scandal was the full Ginsburg became a thing. People still throw that around. Pence now, after Mike Pence's idiotic, stammering, hemming, hawing, lying, bullshitting performance on this week with George Stephanopoulos, Pence should now be a verb just to fucking eat shit on national television. You Pence the shit out of that interview, Mike Pence. But what I love about this story, and I hate this story, I, I hate what's being done to LGBT people in Indiana. It's very sad. Uh, we do seem to be going through some sort of insane legislative backlash. You know, a couple of years ago, people were talking about how all these Republican uh, legislatures, Republican governors, and Republicans control uh, a majority of state legislators and governors mansions across the country. Just a couple of years ago, they were enacting all of this really rapidly anti-choice, anti-access to birth control, anti-woman legislation, the war on women, remember that? And there was some sort of grumbling uh, or observing from the sidelines that what did it say, that there are all these attacks on women from these right-wing Republican legislators and very few on queer people, that suddenly people were better with queer people than they were with women, and yet here we are now, where there are now 80 bills moving through state legislatures attacking LGBT people. We have arrived at the panicky anti-queer backlash it's not a coincidence that we've arrived at this legislative backlash just as the Supreme Court is on the verge of legalizing same-sex marriage across the country. So this is very sad. However, I kind of like this story. And, and here's what I like about this story. And I've been saying this for a while. We've reached a tipping point where homophobia hurts the homophobes. Used to be that you could really go out there and beat up a queer with impunity, whether you're doing it on a playground, whether you were doing it in a legislature, whether you're doing it as the administrator of a high school, you could get away with it. Because if you were the high school principal and you were being shitty to some queer kid about prom or about being out or about forming a GSA, that queer kid probably wasn't out to their family. If they were out to their family, the family was embarrassed and ashamed and wouldn't stand up for that kid. Now, principal beats up the queer kid, the first people in the principal's face typically these days are the family. Mom and dad show up screaming bloody murder about the way their queer kid is being treated and they're not going to stand for it. Principal can't get away with it anymore. And some principals don't realize this yet. Mike Pence is the governor equivalent of that principal of that high school. He thought that he still lived in a state, lived in a world, lived in a country where you could just, for cheap political gain, drag the queers out into the public square and beat the fuck out of them and you would pay no price because you're just beating up a queer. Who cares? 
and Mike Pence is paying a steep price, and Indiana is paying a steep price. This is the new order. of We don't live in a world without homophobes, but we live in a world where homophobes and transphobes can and will be held to account, where they just can't do it with impunity anymore. They can do it. Sometimes they can even get away with it. The law passed. But they don't get away without consequences for them. The homophobes also pay a price. You're seeing this in Christian churches, right? Right-wing fundamentalist Christians worked for 40 years to make Christianity synonymous with anti-gay bigotry. That's why it's not a far leap to their claim that to act on their faith, they need to be able to discriminate against gay people because really that's all they got, right? You can be Bristol fucking Palin and have kids out of wedlock and be a teen mom and rattle around drunk as a skunk and get into fistfights, but you're a good Christian, Bristol Palin, because you hate the fags, right? And you post-gay marriage, you are right with God. When the single tenet of your faith becomes how hard you hate gay people, then being able to act on that hatred becomes very, very important to the expression of your faith. And the delicious thing about this state of affairs is it's really hurting churches. Church attendance is dropping. People are more reluctant than ever to describe themselves as Christian to pollsters or friends and family because they dread being perceived as anti-gay bigots. Another great example of this, the Herald Bolton, December 17, 2014, a reader sent this to me, sent in the clipping. I appreciate clippings, just like my mom used to send. Uh, front page, above the fold, big headline, Church in Alexandria to close its doors. Alexandria First United Methodist Church, built in 1901, closes its doors December 17th, 2014. Why did this century-old church close? The pastor fired the choir director because he was gay, and the congregation walked. The pastor claimed that he closed the doors because of the shrinking congregation, but it was just a quinky-dink that the congregation began to shrink after he fired the gay choir director. wasn't a quinky-dink. People walked out. It was an organized protest against the church's treatment of this gay choir director in the Methodist church, where gay people are allowed to be gay people in theory. But this pastor didn't like that, fired this dude, and killed his own church. This, in its own small way, is what is going on broadly in the culture, that the homophobes are now, when they attack queer people, shooting themselves in their own feet, that they are harming their own institutions, that they are alienating and driving away their own congregants or their own constituents or their own voters and supporters. Not all of them. First United Methodist wasn't empty. It was just emptier, and it couldn't go on, and it collapsed. That's what's happening to political homophobia in this country. It is losing fans, and it is leading to the political collapse of people like Mike Pence, Governor Mike Pence, who was once touted as perhaps a national figure, perhaps a contender for president of the United States. And that is over because Mike Pence didn't get the memo. Nobody told Mike Pence in the run-up to signing this bill that there could be a price that would be paid not by the gay couple turned away from the fucking bakery by the bigot baker, but by Mike Pence himself for signing this legislation. That didn't happen in a vacuum. People pushed, people screamed, people yelled, people got on Twitter, people launched Boycott Indiana, people contacted companies, companies responded. 
People made noise. So we can't be complacent when these things happen. We got to jump up, jump up and down, scream and yell, make noise. And increasingly the price. When you're a homophobe, not just a private homophobe. I don't have a problem with somebody who doesn't like gay people. Really, I don't. I have a problem with somebody who believes that their dislike of gay people should be given force of law. All right? You don't have to like me. I don't have to like you. That's tolerance. Like, I don't like you. You don't like me. We agree to put up with each other. So it's important to scream and yell. But it is important to remember, as these bills pass, there's one in Arkansas right now on the governor's desk that he may sign. There's one in Georgia. Like I said, there's 80 other anti-queer bills moving through legislatures in this country right now. As they pass, as we make noise, as we scream and yell, we need to remember that we are winning. Evidence is the scalp of Mike Pence, which Mike Pence himself handed us on television this weekend when he refused to answer that question, whether he believes discrimination should be legal in Indiana. We are winning. We got to stay in the game. We got to stay in the fight. But we are winning. Hi, Jay. This is David in Chicago. And I just finished listening to your three voicemail messages about the words left and liberal and progressive. And I got to admit that when I started listening to your show, the title caught me because of how much I identify with politics that are a lot further to the left than Democrats. I think it's uh, really important to note in terms of the word left that the Democratic Party is a very closely centered party in terms of political ideology and scheme of things. And I got to admit that, Jay, you really proved me wrong over the months and maybe even the years that I've been listening to your show because I've started to really, really appreciate how much that you've showcased the weakness of the Democratic Party and Democrats as politicians as failing to really advocate left political ideology. I personally identify as a left libertarian, which is a sort of a combination of the anarchism and syndicalism and uh, sort of radical socialists, the, the red and the black. So when I hear the word left, I actually get really touchy about people on the left who identify as far left when they're really just sort of left center Democrats and hardly that far from center. And it even bugs me more when people to the right vilify the Democratic platform as extreme socialism, which is just absolutely ridiculous. So please do keep up the good work of really challenging not just the political right, but also the political left in this country, which as far as I'm concerned, not really far left enough. Take care, Jay. Thanks. Hey, Jay, this is Adrian from Albuquerque. I just wanted to say that I heard the podcast, and I was on a completely different note or tip when I was listening to the podcast, and I completely distorted or misinterpreted what you had meant or what you had said. And I just wanted to say uh, thank you for clarifying that. That was good. 
Oh, that was a good thing that you you clarified that. I mean, I completely thought that you were suggesting to do no labels whatsoever, and that was the understanding that I gathered from that. So I just want to apologize and uh, say thank you. All right, bye. Hey, Jay, it's Jeff, the South Florida Liberal Cop. My wife and I, this is, of course, a response to your uh, your healthcare episode. My wife and I recently went to Great Britain for vacation, and on that vacation, she turned a, uh, a head cold into a strep throat and was pretty sick and miserable. And finally, after a couple of days, we decided to buckle down and go see a doctor. We figured, you know, we, I, I know there's this national health service in Great Britain, I know it's free to the citizens, we're not great British citizens, so it's probably going to cost us an arm and a leg. So we thought, alright, we just won't buy any souvenirs for anybody, we'll, we'll scrimp and save the rest of the vacation, but, you know, we got to get this taken care of, it's only getting worse. We were only about a third of the way through the vacation. So we show up at the National Health Service Clinic, go in, there's nobody there, it's a Sunday afternoon, or Sunday morning. There's nobody there, except for the staff. There's nobody in line, so we, we walk right in. Nurse is nice as can be. She says, yep, looks like you have strep throat. Okay, here's some amoxicillin. And that's it. And we, we looked at her and we're like, thank you. Okay, now what? Like, uh, get out. Not nearly as rude, of course, she's British. But that was pretty much the message. You're done. And we said, uh, we're not citizens here, so what, what do we have to do? What do we owe you? And she just shook her head as if to say, you stupid Americans. No, you don't owe us anything. We don't even know how to take money. And it makes perfect sense in this micro situation. You've got a tourist who's going to see all of your most popular landmarks, who's going to be around a ton of people, who's basically a huge disease vector. And if you give this person some medication, which costs you maybe 50 bucks, and the nurse's time, which is probably worth maybe 100 to $200, at least that's how I look at it, being an American, how much things cost here, then you're going to save a lot of money and time in the long term by not spreading that disease among your citizens. It makes perfect sense. The only person that doesn't help are the corporations and the, the wealthy executives. So that's just my micro-experience with uh, socialized medicine. And we were so shocked that there was another medication that she should have requested that we forgot about. We didn't even think to get it because, as, as some of your female listeners know, when you take antibiotics, uh, it causes some other problems uh, sometimes. So later on, she starts having this other feminine problem due to the medication, and we go to a pharmacy. They think, ah, well, we'll just get one of the over-the-counter ones. They don't work as good, but whatever. Talk to the pharmacist there. Pharmacists there actually go to a lot of schooling so that they can actually prescribe things. So we, she explained the problem, and he says, okay, and he gave her the equivalent of a prescription medication that she would have had to pay $50 for here in the States on top of her copay to see a doctor to get that prescription. All of it done in the pharmacy. Saved time, saved her money, didn't have to pay for a doctor's visit, and boom, she has a prescription medication that solves her problem. It's, you, you go there and you experience it and you slap your, your forehead and think, why are we not doing this? Of course we know why we're not doing this. Money. Anyway, Jay, keep up the good work. Thanks a lot. Thanks. 
Thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks to the volunteers who helped gather clips to make this show possible. Thanks to Katie Klebusik for all of her work on our social media outlets and activism segments. And thanks to all those who called into the voicemail line. If you'd like to leave a comment or question of your own to be played on the show, the number to dial is 202-999-3991. I figured I would pile on with uh, another medical story since we just got that uh, voicemail from Jeff. Uh, careful listeners may recall that about a week and a half ago, I had to miss an episode because my girlfriend was in the hospital. So enough time has elapsed that, you know, everything has calmed down, sort of, you know, life has gone more or less back to normal. And, and so the incredibly lucky part of the story is that uh, she is part of a, uh, a trial, a medical trial with drug. She is going to uh, the National Institute of Health just uh, right here, just outside of uh, D.C., so it's real uh, convenient for us. And the medical emergency that we experienced uh, may or may not have been related to the trial drug. There's no way to know, but that was the hospital we went to. We went to the NIH hospital. And so even though we're in America, we got treated as though we were under, a, you know, a single payer uh, or a socialized healthcare system. So, you know, there was five days and four nights spent in a hospital, one minor surgery, as much uh, pain drugs as as she ever could have wanted. Price for all of it zero, copay zero, amount of insurance paperwork filled out zero. Uh, the possibility of our, uh, you know, insurance premiums going up zero. And so as we were going through this whole ordeal, I mean, we were physically and emotionally exhausted by the entire uh, situation. But in the quiet moments when, you know, we had a moment to breathe, multiple times we uh, definitely breathed sighs of relief that, well, at least we're at NIH where we're being treated in a socialized healthcare system so that at least on top of all of the insanity we're dealing with, we don't also have to deal with insurance companies or payments for all of this. So I think it's probably fair to say that if you personally work for a health insurance company and your livelihood depends on health insurance companies existing, then I suppose it's fair for you to then uh, believe that health insurance companies should be the primary uh, payer of health costs in America. But you should still probably keep in mind that you're an asshole for thinking that, like just a little bit. For everyone else, there's no excuse at all. You know, if, I mean, if you want health insurance companies there as a, as a, you know, a secondary line of defense after a, you know, a socialized, a single payer type system, Fine, I have no problem with that. But if you think that they should be running the show, I don't think you have a fucking leg to stand on. Uh, so thanks to everyone who wrote in with uh, you know kind wishes, uh, you know about our ordeal. It was very much appreciated. That's going to be it for today. Thanks to everyone for listening. Thanks to those who support the show by becoming a member or making one-time donations, as that is absolutely how the program survives. Of course, everyone can support the show just by telling everyone you know about it, leaving glowing reviews on iTunes and Stitcher, and by donating your accounts at donateyouraccount.com slash left. Stay tuned into the show by joining up with us on Facebook and Twitter, and for details on the show itself, including links to all of the sources and music used in this and every episode, all that information can always be found on the show notes on the blog. 
So coming to you from inside the Beltway yet outside the conventional wisdom of Washington, D.C., my name is Jay, and this has been the Best of the Left podcast coming to you every Tuesday and Friday. Thanks entirely to the members and donors to the show from bestoftheleft.com. And it's a cry and shame How we get so trained